This episode of Untold is with Christian de Boer. A Dutch national and as authentic as they come, Christian is a truly incredible hotelier who has shaped and developed Cambodian hospitality tremendously over the last decade and a half, developing leaders, improving standards, and setting in place team cultures and hotel experiences that rank amongst the world's very finest. This episode covers a few of Christian's early years, which included working for Richard Branson at Virgin, and follows his journey to CM Reap and packing some key milestone events and talking about some of Christian's career and life highlights. The episode runs 80 minutes and contains many lessons and anecdotes that made this such an enjoyable episode to record. Amongst other things, Christian talks about reinventing room service, how he managed to get Shintamani to world number one on TripAdvisor, through refill, not landfill, how he managed to make CM Reap a plastic-free destination, and why all hotels should focus primarily on guest experience by putting the guest at the center of all sales and marketing efforts. Enjoy Untold with Christian de Boer, Thinking Differently in Temple Town. Christian, when did you decide to work in the travel industry and what were some of the contributory factors behind your decision? <laughs> well, to be very honest, um, there's really not that much else I can do. Whilst my, educating, uh, my, my education is in the Hotel and Catering Management School in The Hague in the Netherlands, um, I up until then used to work for a gentleman called Richard Branson um, and um, had some pretty damn amazing experiences. But um, I was uh, terminated from Virgin um, mainly because apparently you're not allowed to smoke at Heathrow Airport. And um, so I was... Uh, left without a job and decided to go back to what I've actually been educated for and um, ended up in the hotel industry. <clears throat> and was, this, was, was the smoking something that was allowed at some date and then new legislation or something became stricter or, or you were never allowed and you just used to have a no. quiet space but sadly got caught? No, you really are not allowed to smoke at Heathrow Airport, and, but we always did. And um, Heathrow installed some new smoke detectors which we weren't aware of and we ended up smoking right underneath um, one of them and they had to close Heathrow for I think 20 minutes um, until they um, realized where it was and that it wasn't a major danger um, but yeah it's um, I apparently cost Heathrow a lot of money. Ah so tens of thousands of business and leisure travelers were delayed 20 minutes because of the because of the incident. Yeah. We, well, yes. ho hotels gain is aviation's loss. So one of the first hotel experiences you had was at Le Royal Manceau in Paris, which has had a few different owners and, and obviously over its palace history, different, different owners and so on. But when you were there, it was part of Mandarin. Can you talk about some of the impressions this entry into the world of luxury hospitality left on you? 
Well, it's it's it indeed. Leroy Monceau started with um, somebody telling me that I couldn't live in France because I don't speak the language, and that's really like a red red flag in front of a bull. So six months later, I was working in Paris and living in the troisième arrondissement. Um, doing this international sales for the Royal Monceau, then still independent. And um, Manor Rental came in and was going to first renovate the hotel and then take over and it would become their Parisian flagship. Um, but I think Manor Rental quite quickly realized that the hotel wasn't what it, uh, what it looked like. Um, and there were some shady things happening before that. Um, so one of the things that that's one of the many things actually I've learned at uh, at, at Royal so is is the attention to detail. Um, I've been fortunate enough to meet one of who I think is one of the best general managers there has ever existed on this planet, Mr. Christophe Mares, um, and who is now rather high up within uh, within the company. But yeah, he was my uh, he was my then general manager, and he was the one who uh, actually also asked me to resign, and um, which was a bit strange. I was living in a foreign country, um, and my GM asks me to resign, but he said it with a smile and. I had a lot of respect for him then, and just like I have today. The, um, so I did, and um, put my letter on his on his desk. Was escorted up the building, and um, the next day he called me and asked me, "So I hear you without a job." We think really <laughs> well done. The, um, and he then offered me a job um, in both New York and Singapore, and eventually ended up in. Uh, in Singapore, but one of the main things I've learned from from Mandarin Oriental as a whole is the attention to detail and and um, and first impressions. That all of those little tiny little detail that most people don't even see that they do matter, and and that's what I've learned from this this fantastic company. And when you were deciding between New York and Singapore, what were some of the factors in your decision, and and why did you eventually plump for Asia? Um, well, I actually didn't, um, I chose New York mainly because it would have been London, Paris, New York on my CV. And, um, so yeah, they flew me to New York. I met the general manager there. Fantastic. I mean, fantastic experience. I was enormously excited. I already had my friend's apartment. I was already living there. I was doing the shopping already. Um, and then had my interview. One of the things that I said is that when I arrived at the mark is um, that I noticed that the concierge, the, 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 the doorman um, was not particularly, um, he didn't look particularly appetizing. His shirt was out of his trousers. He was, it was hot. It was a summer day. He was sweating profusely and it was just all looked rather unkept. So I happened to mention that during this interview and um, to which the general manager, um, he didn't fully appreciate that comment, um, mainly because in New York, they apparently have a lot of unions and a lot of other things. Now, that's all good. I'm, I'm not anti-union, um, but there's also a little bit of common sense. There's also a little bit of self-respect should there be involved, I believe. The, but that resulted in the fact that they did not offer me New York. And so then there was only Singapore left. 
<laughs> and um, MO said, well, we flew you to New York. We offered you the job, but something didn't uh, work out. So now we're not going to fly you to Singapore. You either take it or leave it. It's yours if you want, but we're not going to fly you down there. Christian, your career took you to the Mandarin Oriental, Singapore, and then followed up by opening the Namhai in Hoi An slash Da Nang before joining the Hotel de la Paix in Siem Reap. Are you able to tell us a little bit about some of the differences and commonalities between those three distinctly different countries and what you learned from the running luxury hotels in those markets? First of all, each of those markets are um, are really just humans. We're, we really are just all the same. And whilst in, in Singapore and in the West, it has all been put into a formula that apparently should work and, and that formula hasn't really been invented here yet. Um, the base, the human factor is the same everywhere. And um, that is something that I was, I think I was able to bring to Singapore by by doing be, being just slightly different being being uh, thinking that perhaps a little bit different but was was also able to bring it over to both vietnam and eventually here in uh, here in cambodia i very strongly believe if you take care of your staff number one priority your staff then they will do the rest it's something that i learned from branson um and and that i still put into my daily job right now the make sure your staff is happy and at, with regards to their personal life story and their personal issues and their personal situation and then everything else works now that that scenario and that formula works here in cambodia it works in vietnam but it also very strongly works in singapore because i do believe it works all over the world so we're just all at different stages of development. Things that are an issue in Singapore are not an issue down here. Um, in Singapore, we had to have additional training on how to smile, whilst we don't have that problem here in Cambodia. Um, and we have we need training here in Cambodia, which they don't need in Singapore. Um, but the base of it, the human factor, the fact that we all strive for love, acceptance, and sometimes a little bit of humor is something that ties us all together and i do believe that that often is a little bit forgotten in the corporate world that is now often the hotel industry fantastic christian and could you tell us a little bit about how the move from vietnam to cambodia came about and, and whether you'd already were familiar with cm reaper as a destination <laughs> Not a clue. No, I was very happy at the, at the Four Seasons, now Four Seasons in MI, um, for a year and a half. And unfortunately, there I received a phone call that my mother was terminally ill. Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. And I obviously resigned straight away and moved back and wanted to move back to the Netherlands. Um, at the airport in Saigon, I received a phone call from what was then Hotel de la Paix. And um, asking me if I would be interested in a role in Siem Reap. I'd honestly never heard of the place. If they would have said Angkor Wat, I might have heard of it, but Siem Reap, I'd never heard of it. At something like, which, I mean, we have, I was hours early for my flight. So yeah, we kept on talking and eventually said, you know what, I think you should find someone else. But if you can't find someone else and the job is still available whenever I'm ready, 
then I'll then I'll do it. And um, that obviously turned out to be the case. Now, would they have said? Would Nurin have said, Uncle um, what? Then I might have known. It's a bit the same as in everyone in Europe knows about Bali. Fantastic place, the culture, the the the, the religion, all beautiful. Indonesia, hmm, not sure. Now that's the same as Angkor Wat and Cambodia, or Angkor Wat and Simrip. The and I just didn't know anything about it. And I remember that a few months later, um, I emailed the hotel back that okay things are have moved and have changed here in the Netherlands a little bit. I'm ready to start working again. Is the job still open? And uh, little did I know that 10 days later, I was on a plane to Simrip. And, and I've honestly never been here. I'd never heard of the place, had done no research and had something like, I either like it, in which case I'll stay, or I hate it, in which case I'll go back to the airport and find another job. Um, and that's now 14 or so years ago. So, yeah. Very sorry for your loss, Christian. And um, De, De La Paix, it's a, a hotel that, that really I, I always see you synonymous with, and it obviously doesn't yeah. exist doesn't exist any longer, but it's it's where we first met, and you're instrumental in building a, an incredible team, positioning a superb property that was globally renowned, and and from reports I saw was always trading at about twenty to thirty percent occupancy points over and above the competitive set. So, is it possible to share some of your fondest memories and, and the creative process behind some of the initiatives that, that you launched at Hotel de la Paix? Well, first of all, I, I, there I've been so fortunate to work under another fantastic uh, person, fantastic general manager, Mr. Nick Downing, who is now at the Siam in Bangkok. The, that's why I learned what leadership is. That's why I learned how leadership looks like and how you create a team um, of, I think we had 275 people and each of them was the biggest fan of Nick Downing. The, so how did he do that? How did he create that? How did he get people to think so far out of the box? Um, it's, it's, it's been an honor to see that from, from a close up. Um, but at the, in during those days, we in Asia experienced uh, the Asian crisis. So there were, I mean, tourism collapsed and um, it did for all of us, uh, all hotels. And Nick, um, we collectively came to the conclusion that an empty hotel, it's dreadful to be inside an empty hotel as a guest, as you're, if you're the only room or two rooms in a, in a hotel with 100 rooms, it's, it's not a nice experience. So if we want to be successful, we have to look busy. Um, so we have always organized arts events and to promote local young Khmer artists. Some of them, by the way, have, have now reached the world stage, but they started at Hotel de la Paix. So we became very active in the social scene of um, then much smaller Simrip, um, by hosting events, by, by, by just doing things to attract, to attract the locals, basically, anyone who was living here in Simrip. And people attract people. So slowly but surely, we became busier, and um, it's we became more active and more, more, uh, well, eventually also more successful. One of the key things that I think I've learned down there 
is um, is how to marry running a hotel with corporate social responsibility in a sincere and honest way. The, um, we had the fortunate that a company, a global company called Mastercard, <clears throat> wanted to work with us. And for instance, every single time somebody swiped their Mastercard, Mastercard would donate a bicycle to us. And let's say that's always giving away thousands of bikes to people. With Mastercard, we built the sewing school, uh, which still today is running. And um, we did what well, we did massive amounts of other things in 2011 the floods of uh, of cambodia which saw about 80 percent of the country underwater um, we were the co-initiative takers of an initiative that saw us raise uh, enough money to give 7,000 people um, week-long supplies of food and we went out into well, the remote countryside in delivering all of those to people who, for some, who haven't eaten for a week. The, um, and, and again, that was one of the most unimaginably amazing experiences of my life. There, I've also been um, allowed to meet people that perhaps aren't as or weren't as fortunate as myself, yet were happier than I was. Um, people that are victims of human trafficking people that are um, many other scenarios that 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 i simply have never experienced i can't even imagine what it is yet each of them was happier and and um happier than i was and and that told me that perhaps it's the simple things in life that that makes you happy and once you start to realize that in yourself that that resulted in, in, in me indeed being a far happier person and became the basis of, of how I believe hotels should be run. Well, you, your CSR and your empathy is, is world class and, and we'll, we'll touch on it a bit further later. But the other thing that I always um, enjoy your musings and, and your visionary is looking at a hotel as not stopping at the front door, that it needs to actually go around the, the environment. And I remember when I arrived to Raffles and someone said, oh, De La Paix have a very scruffy location. It's not, it's not nice. It's by petrol station and cheap shops. And then I arrived and there's lovely tree, palm trees everywhere. And, and it was a real oasis and, and everything had been clean. There was no rubbish or no litter. And again, that's one of the things at some stage you may have learned because you've never taken care of the hotel as far as the front door but always the arrival experience and the surroundings as mm -hmm. well. When did that start to really get on your radar and be something that you focused on? During, that really started during the floods of 2011, uh, when the road in front of us, Sivuta Boulevard, had literally at some point half a meter of water standing. Um, that was standing there because uh, the drainage was clogged up with plastic bags and it was all along that that was it half a mile long road so twice a day i mean we didn't have that many guests so not that much to do the, but twice a day i would walk the whole of Sifuta boulevard clearing every single one of the drainage now the first time that happens and you see a white guy picking up rubbish it's it's that caused some caused a bit of a stir but eventually they all got used to it the um, but as a result, the water went down rather quickly. Um, but it also came back rather quickly. But the, it made me realize that 
a hotel is re really just a piece of concrete with a bed and a shower. And um, it's the atmosphere, it's the image, it's the, um, the, the things you can't really touch. That's what makes actual experience. There's now a lot of hotels and a lot of people talking about experiential travel. Um, that we've done for 10 years and it's it very much is the secret of our success but if you do it which i think you should you need to do it wholeheartedly and in every single detail um you can't just do it for marketing purposes because people will see through that so i remember i mean the amount of times that that either the locals or my guests or whoever else indeed saw me walking around with an umbrella trying to empty that drainage thing um that helped create the image of of the hotel christian in terms of social media i remember uh, again uh, as long ago as uh, 2011 2012 you already had started to migrate your marketing efforts from physical brochures and and, and were really doing a lot more on facebook at the time and you'd added a booking engine and what always on in terms of promotion, trying to get new followers and fans. Again, how did you see the importance and growing um, prominence of this channel and, and then understand how a business could leverage, leverage this rather than just uh, pushing messages out, but actually driving lots of bookings as well? That was a necessity. It wasn't a brainwave of myself. It was, it was, sorry, it was necessity. Um, we had the choice during the Asian crisis to either invest, I think it was $25,000 in brochures or pay staff, either one. And I mean, anyone with brain would choose its staff. So we did. And we decided there and then, okay, guys, as of today, we have no more brochures. So we need to find a different way of doing that. In those days, uh, the, the likes of Facebook were starting to come up. It was a very cool and trendy thing to do in those days. Um, I had to learn how to do that. Um, a few years later, somebody came up to me um, and asked me, do you want a booking engine on your website? And by then, a lot of other hotels had already had done it, but it would link to their website and then click onto that. And then you have to search the book now engine. And this would um, then create an, an, a, a click on a button, which would go directly into our reservation system. So it would save a few clicks. Now, we were the first hotel in Asia to have that, that technology. And but for me, it was all alien speech and said, well, okay, if you think it works and you can do it and it doesn't really cost me anything, then yeah, let's do it. So they did. And um, about a year later, uh, I by then for me, it was already normal and I'd already forgotten that this was rather special. Um, but it turned out to be that up to 11% of the total hotel revenue was booked through Facebook. So it was a very um very profitable business basically to to be able to think differently and to be able to um question the status quo question uh, the traditional way of thinking and look I, I think 
when I now look back on my life so far and, and where does all of this strange way of thinking, where does it come from? I think it's something I've learned during my time at Virgin. Um, I, it's another person that I admire, Richard Branson. Um, and I think from him, is, is I've learned the ability to, to think on your feet and to question why things are done in a certain way and do we have to do it that way or are there perhaps different ways and better ways and, and all of that stuff. So yeah, social media became rather important. We solely focused, and this is both Hotel de la Paix and later on Shintamani, um, solely focused on the travel industry. So we very strictly focused on anyone related to travel, it being a travel agency, it being an, an, uh, 12, 20, I don't know, 16 version of an influencer. Excellent. And then Shintamani, uh, which you opened um, in CM Reap, you were brought back, and it's worth giving a bit of context at this stage. Hotel de la Paix closed and was being repositioned and redesigned to become what it is today, the Park Hyatt. But Bill Bensley also was involved with the influential design of Shintamani. Um, so obviously a, 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 a great assignment for you to be able to take some of your learnings from De La Paix and, uh, and really take Shintamani from a pre-opening proposition to a, a highly successful property in, in the center of Siemri. Yeah. Well, Shintamani, when I started, um, it only had 39 rooms. It was a very small little property. Um, but due to the unbelievably beautiful design of, uh, of Bill Bensley, um, it was also rather high, high cost to operate. So we needed more rooms to spread the costs, basically. And that's where the second hotel across the road uh, came along. And um, it helped us bring the average cost per room down um, to a more manageable levels. Yeah, the the, the honor basically to, for me to work with Bill Bensley, um, who is clearly a mile ahead of and a mile ahead and above everyone else, the is is some is another defining moment in my little life. And um, I've always been com given complete freedom to do whatever I wanted to. Um, and um, as long as I had a reason why I did whatever I did, then then was, okay, that's good. And um, there in my personal drive of, of and this doesn't really have anything to do with the hotel, but in my personal drive of creating jobs, because I believe jobs is what um, helps a country out of its situation more than NGOs. There are some exceptions, but in principle, more than NGOs. I started the Made in Cambodia market initially um, simply once a month and simply to create some jobs and to create some income for, for many people. The, um, that really was quite successful. Then we did, okay, let's do it again. Then it became once a month and it became three times a month. And up until COVID, it was every single day. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that after COVID, it will, will continue. So it's now in its ninth year, I think. So it's, it's, it has indeed created some jobs. But what it's also done, it's helped um, the marketing of Shintamani in the early days. The, and it, it, it helped us um, to, to 
place the hotel onto the onto the world map. Plus, it gave a feel good factor, a very proven feel good factor, since it's just outside the hotel. Um, so, virtually every single hotel, every single chain now, every single business says, "Oh, we do CSR," and um, but it's rather intangible. It's rather unspecific, and it's rather you can't really track it. I mean. Prime example is is what some what a particular chain hotel did is is the fantastic marketing campaign of save a towel plant a tree. I would love to know where those trees are. I mean, it was a big hotel chain, um, and they have a lot of rooms. They have a lot of people going every day saving one towel, and on their marketing thing it said one towel per tree. Good. But that means there should somewhere on this planet there should be a forest of billions of trees. Now, where is it? Because people have now, thanks to social media, thanks to Instagram, thanks to Google Earth, people now have the ability to search for it and then realize that it has possibly never been built or created. So possibly we've all been duped and, and lied to. And with the main in Cambodia market being right in front of Shintamani, um, people can see, I mean, go and have a look. It just walk walk five meters and it's there. The, um, so that was one of the many um, uh, issues, of efforts that Shintamani did in the in the community effort. We also took five dollars of every room and and invested it into different NGOs and the Shintamani Foundation, who build walls, uh, water wells. I remember having contract negotiations with a cruise company. And um, I made it part of the contract that they would have to donate water wells to us, which helps them. It's good PR for them. And hey, it helps the people of Cambodia and we will build them. And this Australian cruise company indeed agreed to it. And from what I can see, they're still building water wells today. Um, so it's it, what it takes is a slightly different way of thinking, a slightly different way of, of operating. Um, and, and once you start that, with that path, the path along that way of thinking, you can't stop because there's always new things to do. Well, yeah, the, the Shintamani Foundation, and, and uh, I've been fortunate to stay at Shintamani a number of times when you were at the helm, and I saw firsthand the Made in Cambodia market and the, the quality of the artifacts and shops, but just the lovely convivial atmosphere of you've got from everybody that is there. And um, like you said, it's not done for marketing. It's done because you are an altruistic person and you, you're keen to make a massive difference in CM Reap and Cambodia with, with everything you're doing. And you continue to do that now. And it's, it's solely to do to make it a better community and environment. The fact that it's been beneficial is, is a great byproduct, but has certainly never, never been the aim. But to talk about one of those positive byproducts, I'm not sure the year, but Shintamani was voted top hotel on TripAdvisor. So with all the millions of hotels there are in, in the world, again, 12 to 18 months after you'd opened it, to have this acclaim, how, how did you feel? And... Um, what, what was your approach towards social media and TripAdvisor at the time that, that you think helped you to be able to get such, such an amazing achievement? Well, we, 
in the in uh, eventually became world's number three hotel and then the following year we became the world's number two hotel it's i honestly think it's really quite simple and um but it's it's a lot of little details that all need to come together in order to make that the i i do not understand why um in virtually all hotels around the world, you would have to walk to some kind of a long reception where there's a generally not so interested person giving me a fake hello, sir, and passport credit card. Why? If I get the, my friends over at my house, I don't ask them to walk halfway into my living room where I'm standing and take their contact details and passport and credit card. So why am I being asked? I've never stolen anything. Why do you treat me? as if I'm going to be stealing things. The, so those little things, we, um, at both Sintamani Club and, and, and Resort, we didn't have a reception. We didn't have one of those long desks because it, people don't have it at their house. And this is, it's a place where people should feel at home. And checking in and giving your credit card is not one of the things that make people feel at home. The, it's all about sincerity. It's all about honesty. And um, I believe that my main task in, in, in life, and that's about Shintamani and definitely now, um, is about taking care of my staff. If I can somehow deal with all of their problems, whatever that might be, then they will take care of the guests. And that really takes that really has paid off to, um, and eventually it also went quite far in taking care of my staff to, um, and but it created a very tight-knit family which um, in days that it was really really busy and we had short turnarounds and we had lots of checkouts and and even more check-ins all of the rooms had to be ready in record time it was a team effort to do that and um no comments, no one said anything negative. Everyone was excited to be able to do all of that stuff. So I believe leadership starts at the top. And, and if you want to be a hotel that cares, if you want to be, and that's with anything you might say a hotel is, if it's, if it's, uh, if you having your marketing purposes that, oh, we care for our community, then that starts with the boss. Um, if you care for, uh, the environment it starts with the boss and and so on so that's that's um but that happened then eventually to be me so i needed to be the one that cared for my staff so they could care for the guests and that's really what 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 happened um, and and uh, i remember speeches to to different people about the importance of english classes um and and um, helping them fund it um i remember the the, the scenarios where you know some staff might have had a slightly more difficult start to their lives for many different reasons that by in, instead of terminating them because you're not good enough a simple explanation is often enough to make people think, oh, is that what this guest means or that guest means? The, um, because the Khmer are, first of all, simply one of the most amazing people, but um, don't make mistakes on purpose. 
and I guess that's the same all over the world, but um, they want to be loved. They want to be respected. And again, that's the same globally, but um, so it's up to me to keep that respect. And, and so that's, that was the secret to our success, I guess. I think also one of the, one of the things that st struck me as a, as a guest is the amazing levels of attention to detail that, that you had, but also empowering the staff. And if, if you recall, one, one um, January, I'd come with a group of other hotelier executives and travel uh, professionals from the Asia region. And we'd gone off to the temples to do this organized run. And then as the bus had pulled up outside Shintamani, having finished the run, the guests, uh, we obviously had dusty shoes, but the, your, your team came out in numbers asked us to give us the running shoes, which we obviously did, and said, we'll bring them to your room. But they didn't just then deliver to the room, they cleaned them thoroughly and put them in shoe bags so that then after I'd had my shower or bath or whatever, the shoes had come back completely clean, no dust, no mud, nothing, and they're in shoe bags, you could put them straight into your travel case. Now, that only comes through your attention to detail. You're teaching people some of the things that you've learned at Mandarin and, and Namhai and other luxury properties. But you had these people that have worked in the industry for tens and tens of years who've never experienced service like that in any of the properties that they've worked for. Mm -hmm. It was that, that mind-blowing. And, and everyone after that at dinner said, I can see why they're number one on TripAdvisor in the world, because... It takes, takes such attention to detail and service and standards to be able to deliver something like that, which may be a started by from a dirty lobby or people walking through with mud on their shoes. But, well, yeah, that was one of the many things, but it's not training. It's not, it doesn't come down to training. It comes down to explaining. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different approach. The, yes, you can hire some kind of a training company, but it won't be really that effective. If, you, if, it's, if something makes sense to people, it's a different thing. The, and and um, once I explained to to various people that how 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 what happens to those dirty shoes afterwards if we let them go? First of all, they create a mess for us, but second of all, they will end up in a suitcase. It dirties everything. And as a result, uh -huh, not so, yeah, it was a bit, mu bit muddy everywhere, but it was all right. If we, right at the beginning, can take them and clean them, one, the guest is very happy because they've never had this before. Two, it actually keeps the hotel clean. Three, it keeps the suitcase clean. So, and, and, the, and the laundry and whatever else is in that suitcase. So it has a multiple positive side effects. So every single time we look good, the hotel looks good, and therefore you, as a Khmer person, look good. So it created pride, and in into, and it created a good working atmosphere for all of us. So it's the, it's explaining, and I mean, I work and live with people in 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 Cambodia, and I again, this is a global issue, but the, that might not have traveled as much as I have, that might not have traveled as much as you have. Um, so they simply don't really think about that. But a simple explaining and making, making sense of something, then immediately lots of light bulbs will go on and think, oh yeah, of course we can do that. 
and that's how this initiative indeed started. But I can also tell you about a time in the beginning when it went wrong. The, yeah, because we had a guest with beautiful, beautiful, um, according to himself, brand new Nike $400 worth of shoes. And, and he was very proud of it. They were brand new, they were sparkling white, but indeed had some mud now. So yeah, don't worry, we washed them. This is in our first week that we did this. But washing, how do you wash your clothes? You just put them into water and then scrub them good and take them out and it dries. So we did the same with those $400 worth of sports shoes. We literally soaked them into water and as a result, destroyed them. The, um, and, and so yeah, I paid for those shoes basically. <laughs> Not a very happy gentleman in the beginning, but once he realized that, okay, we've tried and we misunderstood and I'm sorry, but here's your $400 and, and we have learned from it. Um, so yeah, that was in the beginning or I can tell you that we completely washed a pair of suede shoes, uh, which is also not a good thing to do. But in, in overall, it, the end results after a few mishaps was indeed outstanding, but yeah, we had to go through just mishaps. Absolutely, but uh, definitely worth it. And another conversation when, when we're in Shintamani that again showed the attention to detail and your ability to think on the edge or outside the box is um, was was by the pool having a drink on the Sunday, having done the run on the Saturday. And I said, "Oh, I didn't think I'd see you today, Bong. Uh, you know, I thought you'd you'd take a day off." And you say, "Oh, do you do you realize how how many important people I meet on a Sunday and how much business?" can be generated through being on premises on a Sunday compared to if I take a Tuesday or Wednesday off in the week. Is it possible just to talk about some of your some of your philosophy behind working on days when other people might be resting? Sunday is generally a day off for most people. Anyone in the industry um, who might have had busy or weird working week, but is still thinking, oh yeah, you know what, I actually really should see this hotel or I should see that or I should see whatever. Um, they often do that on Sundays. So even myself, when I go to other hotels and, and you arrive in that property, you say, oh, I'm from this and that, and would it be possible for me to see one or two rooms? Of course, now you get a very junior person showing you to a room who has really no clue other than this is the bed and um, that's the shower. So it doesn't really give a good impression in my opinion. The, by me being different and think, you know what, let them, let all the other ones have a junior housekeeping or bellboy show the various rooms, very good on them. I will do it myself. I was able not just to show the beds and the shower, so what, but to sh explain the complete philosophy um, and the way we operate it and the way we think and the way we do all of those things. So it's, it's, we honestly have generated so much money purely by working on a Sunday compared to what all the other ones do. We, I think we've generated so much money because we were thinking differently and, and because we were not doing what everyone else does. Um, and, and that's, that's paid off from very early on. Very early on, did we uh, manage to earn a, a lot of additional revenue um, by by operating on the Sunday, but also by by um, again doing things slightly different by uh, not charging for the minibar, for instance. Those really tiny little things, where most hotels see it as a revenue generating 
thing. I see it as a potential issue for problems. Um, by mainly because I was myself um, to a hotel in, in, in Hong Kong. Um, it took me 10 minutes to explain that I did not have a beer from the minibar. And for the very simple reason that I don't drink beer. I've never drunk beer in my life. So no, I can assure you I, that beer is not me. But I couldn't prove it because, well, I didn't take pictures of the minibar, obviously, I check in. The, so I, and I ended up paying the whatever, how much it was in Hong Kong dollars um, to the particular hotel. And I felt so dreadful afterwards. So for a whole, was it $3 or so? Um, they, they annoyed, even those years later, they still annoyed me the fact that I had to pay the $3 for something I did not use. Um, and, and if that happens to me at a strange hotel, that could obviously also happen at one of my hotels. The, um, so why don't we just simply make it completely free and just add it in the room rate? The, um, and, and we did some research on how much people actually consume if you make it completely free. And thinking that well, some people might fill up their whole suitcase or other people go and sit in a room and think, oh, is it free? Then drink, 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 drink. That doesn't happen. And the total cost for us per day per room is, uh, I think it was $1.37. So we've made a lot of people happy for a whole $1.37. So it's 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 that different way of thinking that, that makes a difference, I think. Amazing. And you're still fired up over that millibar charge. I could see your, yes. your facial yes. expression, pure, pure rage. But um, no, in, in terms of the, the trip advisor and the fact that it's done on... Um, so many people and social proof, but having stayed at Shintamani a number of times when you were there, you can absolutely see why why it won such accolades. And then onto Jaya House River Park, where essentially the, the service you provide for the owner was remarkable because you've done design, positioning, training, recruitment, commercial, F&B conception. And then you open this boutique property, which, um, again, has got PR plaudits, top, I think number 12 in the world on TripAdvisor. So again, incredible social proof. Um, talk about some, some of the uh, milestones at, at Jaya House that have made you so proud. Well, at Jaya, here I can speak forever, but at Jaya, um, I, I wanted to do a hotel the way I honestly think it should be. The, um, so indeed, that mini bar, free. The early check in, late checkout, absolutely. If we have rooms, no, no worries, check you in. The, uh, the laundry, free, completely. The not one or two pieces, but a whole suitcase if you want to give it, not a problem. Uh, we include an hour spa every day, every guest. The mainly because a happy guest, uh, if a happy guest means word of mouth, and all of us, when when we go on a long trip and we have been on a between brackets holiday, the first thing we do when we eventually get back home is people asking us, how was it? If I can convince my guests to stay, fantastic. I stayed at this tiny little hotel, unbelievable, blah, 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 blah. That's my marketing done. That's, I'm done, I'm finished. The, um, 
a hotel experience starts before people arrive at the hotel, uh, about 150, 200 meters before. And um, the, the, the opinion of people finishes after minute one in arriving in a property. That's when they think, oh, God, we've made the right choice, or, ouch, be careful, guys. I'm not sure how this is going to go. The, so it's about that one minute. And those are all things that are often, people are not really in touch with anything. It's all based on senses. It's all based on impressions and on the way they feel. The, so it's, it's, I personally, before we opened this one, I stayed in 14 hotels in three cities in 14 days with a little notebook. And on the left, I would write the things I make sure that we need to do too. And that was always rather short. And on the right, things that we had never should do. And on one occasion, that was more than one page. The, um, at a rather expensive hotel in Bangkok, um, I didn't really think, but I washed my socks. That cost me $5. Why? I mean, for $5 in Bangkok, you can get a new pair, if not two. But and it's okay. They can do charge ten, fifteen, twenty dollars if they wanted to. If they if they make me understand why, but five dollars is that washed with Perrier? Is that mean? Do they import the water from France? Um, why? It's it's so I didn't make me sense. But that made me think. Okay, so if I personally think five dollars is ridiculous, what is a good price? Is it four dollars? Is it one dollar? Is it is it what? And so eventually came up with an amount that really think really we're going to do all of that paperwork, all of that effort for this. Um, what's the point? So no, you know what? Let's make it free, completely. One suitcase or one piece, it doesn't matter. The um, and and. Uh, the, so the minibar free, the laundry free, the uh, now all of that was included in the rate, obviously. Yeah, eventually yeah. when we figured out what the average was, bang, included in the rate. I wanted us right from the beginning to be plastic free, completely, uh, mainly because I wanted to showcase that that's possible as a hotel, and um, which we managed to do, and I wanted to marry that with giving showcasing that you can also be successful and profitable and we ended up number one on TripAdvisor within four months of opening we were financially breaking even within four months and um, we've been number one ever since and that's now four and a half years ago it's all because we're making our guests our salespeople little side effect to that is the fact that again still today we do not have brochures I don't need to waste money on printing or brochures. I also don't need to waste money on people that are at trade shows, IOTM, ATM, whatever, World Travel Market, all of those trade shows, because it's always the same people. The, um, it's always the same people. And one week they represent this hotel and the next year you meet them again, they represent another hotel. And think, where's your personality? What actually are you? Which brand are you? But it doesn't make sense. I mean, the last time I went to ITB in Berlin, it's, it must have been 12 years ago, um, my whole last day was spent on, on meeting school children. Um, public, I'm spending an, day. Yes, uh, spending an enormous amount of money to be here. Money that for us in Cambodia is multiplied by 10. Um, it could have saved a lot of lives. And I'm standing here meeting school children or brochure stealers or 
anyone who's asking for anything as long as it's free. Um, so what's the point? The, um, but if you look at, at how much a sales department actually costs, now, a trip to, I don't know, London, uh, $1,500 airfare, that's an economy. Then you need a hotel, $200. You need taxis here and there. You need to host a dinner perhaps once or twice. Um, so before you know it, you spend $10,000. Imagine if we could not do that and spend that $10,000 on the well-being of my guests. That's far more effective because I, on my own, when I go on a sales trip, I can only meet one person every time. I can only be in conversation with one person. Whilst if impress my guests, then I'm sending home 76, 36 rooms, so 76 people a day to all corners of the world doing my sales. So it's far more effective, word of mouth. And um, plus it's, 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 it's obviously simply in the long run, it's a lot cheaper. We were asked to be part of, of various hotel uh, groups, uh, luxury hotel, leading hotels of the world and, and all of the likes. No, small luxury hotels of the world. No, because they're, that's amount of money, $33,000 it is to be part of that. It's so much money and the re returns are not good enough. Um, I mean, Hotel de la Paix used to be part of SLH, I believe, and I cancelled that purely because a very simple um, breakdown of this is how much it costs and this is what I get back showcases that it's not worth it. So I can spend that 33000 much better on the well-being of my staff so they're happier and they will do the sales, or my guests will do. So that way of thinking is is what I've been allowed to to really put through here, combined with um, an, an an approach in in with regards to the design and the building, to fairly focused on social media. I mean, I initially we have two pools here. I initially wanted a, a red pool because it looks good, uh, looks good on pictures. Um, but it was my staff who said, mm, red, water, history, Cambodia, not sure if that's a good move. So, okay, yeah, you're, you're right. Let's do pink. Um, but pink in the sun, also not a good move. So eventually over dinner and two bottles of wine, we came up with a silver pool. And that's what we now have. The tiles were made for us in China, obviously. And we now have a silver colored uh, swimming pool, one of them. The, and that picture has been literally in quite a few media, but also the design of, for instance, the restaurant, um, it gave us the flexibility to, to simply blow people away on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve by, um, by, by hanging, I don't know, three and a half thousand kilograms of ice inside our restaurant. That created an enormous amount of pictures. That created massive amounts of people uploading them onto their respective social media channels, which then generated my future guests. The, so it, it really is just marketing. And, and that's, that's what we do. I am pretty sure you're familiar with our Christmas trees, where certain hotels import a Christmas tree from Canada. Um, so it's a real tree. That's, I think, about $8,000. I wholeheartedly think that's wrong. So 
no, we're not going to do a Christmas tree, a real one from Canada. We're going to do something different. So three years ago, the team um, made a Christmas, no, four years ago, made a Christmas tree out of 26,000 individually hung feathers and um, to resemble peace. And the peace is an individual effort. And the year after, we made a tree out of 14,000 glass straws, um, which was supposed to be hanging for just a few weeks. But since every single guest was raving about it, we let it hang for a year and a half. The, and mainly because it created so many pictures. People, every almost every single guest took a picture of it. And if they post it on their personal Instagram, social media, then again, that's my marketing. But that glass tree, um, other than time, and effort by my very staff members, total value was just $800. And um, so it's it actually, again, it saved us money compared to a real tree, but the benefits were much bigger, the much bigger than what a real tree would have been able to achieve for us. So it's that different way of thinking. It's a, um, if another example would be, here in Asia, when you go and check in a hotel, they tend to give you a welcome drink. It's generally some kind of a very sweet cold tea that no one particularly likes, but you take a sip out of politeness. Um, why? Why is that the case? Why can't you just simply ask a guest, what would you like to drink? It being a gin tonic, it being a glass of wine, it being an orange juice or just water. The, it's the simple things. Why do we force people some kind of a cheap tea that no one wants? Because it's cheap and the hotel doesn't want to spend any money, but why not simply a gin tonic? If, if it's about making guests happy. And, and look, that's, that reflects on all of our social media and um, it being TripAdvisor, it being any anything else. But um, it also resulted in um, a rather large amount of guests when they leave eventually being sincerely emotional yes. and, uh, and, and being literally often women almost in tears when they leave the property. Now that's when you know that my sales in that part of the, of that part of the world is done for the next few years. And, and uh, that's how well, we've operated and that's what we still do today. Well, that, again, not, not satisfied solely with, opening the hotel you, you 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 mentioned refill not landfill but you you didn't really give as much flavor as as to how big it got can you talk about cm cm reef and how your initial refill not landfill initiative gained traction and became obviously a resort resort initiative that became destination wide which led to the drink bottle that you kindly gave me on my second visit that mm -hmm. listed the different places that had water and, and were supporting it. Yep. Well, if the goal for us was to be plastic free, that's cool, but people still need water. People still need to drink. So I need to find an alternative for water. Now, inside the rooms, it's easy. Put a glass bottle, done. But what about the guests that want to walk, walk, go outside and see the temples and see whatever else? They also need water. So we came up with on aluminium reusable bottle and i spoke to a few of my friends in town that hey if my guest comes to your place can you fill up this bottle is that is that okay oh yeah of course 
benefit for all of those businesses is that they actually get more people walking into their hotel, into their cafes, their bars, their restaurants. The, but that really was just initially based for just us, for nothing else. And But a few other businesses and hotels in Serbia thought, well, it's a good idea. So can we join? So before quick it actually turned out to be Simreapwide's initiative and then more and more people became aware of it. Uh, Nom Pen got on board, Cap, Laos um, and, and Myanmar came on board in a massive way um, and, and it became a rather large thing. Now it's in 19 countries um, and it's been taken over by, by really quite a few people. Um, I don't earn a penny on it and I don't need to earn on it, it's, it's okay. It's about us globally reducing the amount of plastic water bottles that there are, because we collectively are destroying this planet. Anyone with children today, if they love their children, then they should reduce the amount of plastic. Um, otherwise, you, you, it simply doesn't go together, loving your kids and using plastic. The, um, so yeah, it's it's it has grown really far beyond what I ever imagined. Um, I was allowed to, to do a speech in Puerto Rico at the American Association of Travel Experts, I think, um, where I explained how much plastic we as an industry are actually using. And everyone seems to be thinking, including me, that you think, come on, Christian, it's one bottle, shut up. The, but if everyone has one bottle, and with regards to the tourism ministry for Cambodia in 2019, that ended up being 4.6 million plastic bottles every single month. Every single month, 4.6 million. We do not recycle, we don't have that facility here. So they, every single one of them actually gets burned or um, dumped into the ocean or the rivers. And as a result causes a massive danger for any future generation. So, but if you go to hotels, they have two two bottles on the mini bar, two bottles in the in the in the bathroom. So it's very quickly four bottles per room per day. And um, are there no alternatives? And I I think uh, right now in 2021 on the 27th of May, um, we are breaking into into a new era where people start to see that change will come from every single one of us change needs to be started by every single one of us we cannot we can no longer wait for someone else to do something because that's too late the so refill not landfill or refill the world um it started off very simple just here at, at little jaya house and is now in 19 countries and and the benefit for the hotel, and again, there was no wisdom on my part, is that we had a massive amount of people booking us purely because of this, purely because it's so tangible. It's so clearly we do what we say, clearly we act upon our words. Um, that's, that's why people chose us instead of a big chain hotel or um, instead of some of the properties they were initially suggested by their agents. Yeah, it's exceptional how well you've done it. And what did you speak at at New York also? Because I remember that you were invited and, and it was a really, uh, it had a lot of the, the hotel company CEOs, 
and you said, "Look at look at the panel I've been invited to," and and yeah, yeah, I, I got you. A, I think I got you a good rate at a, at a hotel, and you you were delighted to have been invited to this panel. Yeah, that was a bit of a sore point. Um, I was indeed in, invited to come to speak at the Core Club in New York, uh, which is an enormously exclusive group of people. Uh, I would I would have been on stage with Anna Wintour and someone else that I can't remember, but that leak, and then little old me. Now, unfortunately, that had to be cancelled on my part, um, mainly because I have been denied a visa for the United States. Even though I'm Dutch, so I don't need a visa, um, due to some other experiences, I um, now are needed a visa, and that has been denied and banned uh, from the United States for the foreseeable future. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, let me let, let before people think I'm a criminal. The, let me explain also why. Why I'm. Uh, <laughs> well, cut I'm it, well, cut it out. It's up to you. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's an interesting story. The, um, we we as a hotel, um, as a boot as a small hotel, we're allowed to do things different from than anyone else. We don't, I don't have a head office, I don't have HQ, I don't have any of that stuff, I am HQ. The, so in the week before the Donald Trump meeting and Kim Jong-un meeting in Singapore, uh, the week before that, the, there was actually a meeting here at Jaya House. The, um, not with those two, of course, but various dele delegations from both countries to prepare for Singapore. In that group was also you know, China, the EU, Sweden, for some reason, um, and, and Japan and, and other countries. Um, so that, that was a rather interesting meeting in, in, the, in the week leading up to Singapore. But during that meeting, um, one of the delegations from, from North Korea asked me that, oh, Christian, why don't you come to Pyongyang and do a speech at the University of Pyongyang? And I mean, I was obviously very much in work mode. I was, I was very aware of who's in the hotel. So I was very, I mean, this is like 16 hour days. The, um, and you know how you sometimes tell people, yeah, fine, of course, no problem. Knowing full will will never happen. The, um, but yeah, fine, no problem. Oh, absolutely, I'd love to do that, blah, 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 blah. So four months after that, I received, received an email um, Christian, remember when you said yes to a to speech at the University of Pyongyang? Uh, yeah. Do you still want to do that? And so I had said, no, if you say A, you need to do B. If, if, if you can't go back on your promises. So I very reluctantly said, yeah, that's okay. Thank God it's on email, so it's not, uh, it's not verbal. Um, it also absolutely freaked me out. I mean, Yes, I also had read all of the newspapers and the articles and the you won't come back type of scenarios. But I said yes, and now I need to do it. So yes, I went to Pyongyang. I did a speech at the University of Pyongyang, stayed five days, had the most amazing time in, in North Korea, um, would go back in a heartbeat. But when I came back, six days after I came back, Mr. Donald Trump um, introduced a new law in the Senate that anyone who's ever been to North Korea in the past 11 days will not be allowed to enter the United States again, ever again. And that was me. And this was literally 
a month before I was supposed to speak in New York. So at various people were trying to pull strings and whatever else, but it didn't work. And I'm officially banned from the US right now. Wow. Hopefully that will get overturned at some point because um, you, you on stage with Anna Wintour would have been an excellent panel. Yeah, that would have been very, I would have loved, I seriously would have, another thing that made me nervous, but yeah, it was, uh, that would have been a massive honor, but yeah. it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, but um, your success at Jaya House can't be overstated, and, and it's really tough times currently with COVID that, that clearly we all hope will pass, but reflected on reflecting on some highlights, can you share a few stories that, again, are incredible for your property to achieve, like Joss Stone singing at the opening, the tree planting that you always do, the various monk blessings, and some of the other events that have really made you and the team most proud. Look, it all sounds like, oh my God, it's so such a knowledgeable person. I'm not. Do good, you get good in return. Joss Stone, indeed, a Grammy award-winning, multi-million record-selling artist, performing here in our garden, that was, not down to me. That was down to a lady called Sasha Constable who introduced us and um, just then wanted to do a concert in every single country on planet Earth. Did she do in North Sasha Korea? I don't know that bit. So she, might uh, be, she might be banned from the uh, US also. <laughs> yeah, well, could be. I should, I should introduce her to that. The, um, but yeah, it was Sasha who introduced Jaya House and, and that all then worked out in our garden. Um, unbelievable experience the the monk blessing was a happened at 10 past seven in the morning uh, when the head monk called me in Khmer and my Khmer is not so good and I thought I understood a few monks that he would visit the hotel with a few monks but I didn't really understand why and or wow why the so yeah fine of course means it's the head monks of course the but I had my number two calling him a little bit later when I arrived at the hotel saying, can you just find out what time? I mean, it's nice if I'm actually here. The, and only then did we realize, no, it's 493 monks and it's tonight at 6.30 and you will get a blessing and this is all the things you need to do. And so we had about eight hours to make it happen. The, the classic piano concert, which, which uh, was another unbelievable evening um, was two american classical pianists um two brothers on one piano they wrote a piece in for auschwitz in germany and um where they they performed it at the um anniversary is the wrong time but the 70th remembrance day um together with macron merkel and, and obama um but they also had written a piece for cambodia and uh, they performed that here in the garden with just a piano and 250 people invited, seated. Um, all people connected to that era. And um, to see 250 people in tears because of the piano is, is unbelievable. So that was another highlight. But indeed also um, when, when, and this happen, has happened more than once when I, been allowed to meet people that had never been in a hotel and uh, they never had the opportunity in their whole life to visit the hotel so they had no clue what it was and this is people from the countryside um i remember in the beginning when we had a really macho 
manly, strong, 19-year-old boy um, who had never seen a lift. And he, you know, macho, manly, 19, and scared doesn't go together. I mean, men are not scared. Um, but yeah, he was freaking out about the lift. So him holding my hand, which is very strange, um, when I introduced him to a concept of a lift, and he actually really, really thought that we had, when he came out of the lift, that we had changed everything on the outside very quickly. So that's how fast we work. We go from ground floor to third floor and we immediately change everything and he actually sit on the ground floor. Um, that was his, that what he thought. So it's, it's my experiences here at, at all of those different levels were, were really quite unbelievable. But it's, it's indeed the planting of the 2003s, the, the, the concerts with Mary Black, uh, at the Irish Embassy in Singapore, um, or 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 just the fact that um, a a rather well known guitarist from a rather well known band uh, of the nineties, I think, he stayed with us, but I had no clue who he was, um, and only afterwards did I realize who it was and which song he used to perform, which still gets played on the radio right now. Um, he donated then $10,000 to the Cambodian Landmine Museum, which is one of the NGOs we support. And um, he donated $5,000 three days ago. The, um, and and look, as a hotel, we add automatically $5 to every single room every single night. That's We're not asking. It's not an opt-in or opt-out. It's just that's what we do. And those... The five dollars times all of those people and all of those nights gets divided over the three different NGOs, and so every month we simply write a check and then we give it to them, and then it's good luck, the, because they are the professionals in their field, obviously, and that's that's how it works. And and um, I think for those three NGOs, including so now the fifteen thousand dollar donation from that one guy and 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 a few others but we must have reached or must have gone over almost the two hundred thousand dollar mark um and donations yes chapeau christian that, that's an amazing figure some uh closing questions christian but post-covid if, if you could stay in any hotel except for your own where, where would you like to stay without a doubt at the Siam in Bangkok. Okay. They, one, it's the most spectacular design. Two, it's the most amazing general manager. Three, their beds are absolutely out of this world. I mean, you don't want to leave that bed anymore once you're in it. The, and and it's for those three things, it's, it's, that's it. I mean, that hotel, it's a museum with a couple of bedrooms and, and, um, with some spectacular management. So, if you could go anywhere, what, what's your favorite restaurant? Um, I don't really have a favorite restaurant for a very simple reason. I can't cook, the, and I have no interest in it either. The, so, I haven't cooked in 20 years. I, I know how it should look like, I know how it should taste, but the actual physically cooking bit, I couldn't care less. The, one of the restaurants here in St. Reap, which has unfortunately just closed and, and probably it has become a victim of COVID, is Cuisine Batamnak. Um, and um, that's 
that has always been a mind-blowing restaurant, partially because of the food, partially because of the atmosphere, but a bar- big part of that is also Johannes, the, the, guy, the head chef, the guy who started it, and he's brought back so many dishes for Cambodia. He has been absolutely instrumental in on the culinary front here in Cambodia um, is, is, is to support support him. So it's that combination of the three that would make it probably my favorite restaurant in, 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 in Cambodia, if not the whole of Asia. And a charming wife who is front of house also. Yeah, yeah, Carol, yes. Yeah. She's also amazing. Both of them are, are fantastic people with an amazing heart. Well, yeah, and best wishes to them. But uh, over the years, I've been lucky enough to eat there. And it's also, I think, the only Cambodian restaurant that's featured in the San Pellegrino Top 50. It's been in a, a couple of times yeah. over the years. So, um, yes. yeah, the, the food and atmosphere is incredible. Your your service philosophy, you've talk, talked us through lots of your vision. What about if you had to put it on a billboard? So you've only got a few words. Take care of your staff. Last but not least, what of your personal qualities do you think have allowed you to develop this fantastic career? The, the, oh, not many. The, no, it's not qualities. The, the, the opportunities I've had in meeting people at massive amounts of walks of life. It, I, I remember the day that I met Nelson Mandela. Um, I'm the day that I met Tanya Palmer, the day that I met Christopher Nick Nick Downing, and and many others. That's on one side. Those are the people that you know. But also the day that I met my gardener, the day that I met a gentleman who had been a street child up until the age of eight, um, the day that I met a girl who is now an adult, um, but was human trafficked in a in a wooden box. And the day that I met a boy who had been sexually abused for probably around nine years in in Sinrip by a then general manager in town. This is when you were here. That that era, there was one boy who had been was abused. Now, those people, they were still smiling. They were still happy. They were outgoing. They were. Um, they were not afraid, not not ashamed of their history, not ashamed of their experiences. It was just, well, that's life. That's what happens. Um, and those those people on the left here, they made me realize that I don't have any reason, any right, even to be even in the remotest way negative at all. Um, I mean, nothing in my life has ever gone wrong in that skill the um, i should be i mean i have no other rights than than keep smiling the whole day now would that be the i think the realization for me came would that be because i am such an amazing person i am so hyper intelligent i am all of those things would that have been the case okay that's cool but i'm not I'm not so special i'm not so hyper intelligent i'm not any of those things it's based on the fact that, that the, I had the opportunity to meet all of the other people that are much bigger than I am uh, and will always be much bigger. My gardener, whose career is a multiple of mine, the, it's just I happened to start at a certain level at zero and grew up. He started at minus something 
and grew up. So whilst his career is much bigger, yes, we're, we haven't reached the same number yet. Um, so that's, I think, the, the, the answer to your question, the ability now at, at my current age to, to put the two and two together and, and realize that do good and you'll get good in return. And that's, that's the answer. Christian, it's been an exceptional chat. Thank you so much for uh, your friendship and, and for all you do for everyone in Cambodia. And um, yeah, looking forward to, to post-COVID and brighter times ahead. But thank you so much for sharing your stories, anecdotes and uh, incredible vision and, and way of approaching hotels and, and so on. It, it's been great. So thanks ever so much for that. Thank you, Bong. Have a nice day.